Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Brothers Echo Radio. You already know I'm your girl, Simone, and you get a chance to see me this time. Sometimes, you know, I'm you hear my voice, you don't see me, but any and every time I have a guest, I want you to see the guest. I want you to see us, feel us, and all that we do. So welcome back to another episode of Brothers, uh, Brothers Echo Radio. This episode, I pray, is going to help some people. I pray that you all pick something up and you take this with you and add it to your toolbox. So before we proceed, I would love for my guest to introduce herself to to you all. So go ahead, ma'am. Hi, my name is Tanya Edwards and I am a certified advanced grief recovery specialist and I am from Gainesville, Florida. Grief specialist, you said grief recovery specialist. Grief recovery specialist, that's important because recovery is possible. Okay, so when you say grief recovery specialist, what does that mean exactly? Well, there's a difference between what we do when we talk about grief, um, grief recovery, um, and then just grieving counseling. So grief recovery, basically, when you're talking about any type of loss, and it's not just about death, because in my studies, we found out that there's over 40 different types of loss that has the ability to impact our lives and create grief. And we don't even know we're grieving a lot of the time. So because because what we have been conditioned to believe is when you hear death, it's synonymous with grief, you know, so that's all you get. Um, but when you talk about grief, there is any type of emotional loss, you know, that is significant to you. So whatever that looks like, whether it's relationship, whether it is a death, whether it is um, a loss of a job. Um, again, what we've been experiencing over the last three years, loss of the familiar with COVID, you know, so you're losing something that's tight and significant and important to you. That puts us in a state of grief. Beautiful. So before we jump into that, let's talk about you for a little bit. So you say you're from Gainesville. So uh, what part of Gainesville? Where is Gainesville for our listeners who may be like who may be in Turkey or somewhere? And they're like, what is Gainesville? So tell me about Gainesville and how was it growing up there and where okay. you from? Well, um, actually, I, I kind of live in Gainesville, but I'm really from this little small town called Hawthorne. Hawthorne is east of Gainesville, um, about 20 minutes um, on the outskirts of Gainesville. And Gainesville, uh, for our listeners, would be an hour and a half north of Orlando or an hour south of Jacksonville. So we're right in the middle uh, and about two hours west of Daytona Beach, Florida. So there you got it. We kind of were right there. And how was it growing up here? Well, for me, growing up, I have a huge family. Um, my mom's side, my dad's side, we have a huge family. My dad was um, the eighth of nine children. And my mom is um, the third of six children. And so all of those children had children. And so we are, we are very close. We're very tight knit. So growing up for me, uh, it was amazing. But then my parents, you know, I was the oldest. I'm the oldest of three. Um, and when I say oldest, literally, I am 10 years older than my next sibling. So, um, and then my mom had twins after me. So it was just me and my two brothers. And uh, so growing up for me was amazing because one thing that we emphasize in our family is love and communication. So it's just, you know, growing up a little country girl, you know, ended up in Gainesville and I've been married for 26 years. Um, and uh, just it, it just it's we have five godchildren, no physical children of our own, but we have a lot of spiritual children, a lot of godchildren, and uh, we we just you know love life and um 
just for somebody that wants to know me a little bit better, I am a softball fanatic. That's kind of where I live. Yes, yes, yes. I played it. I coached it. I live it. (laughs) Okay. Oh, so that's it. Awesome. If anybody else wants to know, like, why do I do what I do? Because I know that's probably one of the questions. Yeah, that was the next question. Why do do, do you do what you do? Or how do you come about doing what you do? Well, let me go ahead and share really quickly. Um, I do what I do because this is personal for me. Sure. So I don't just take people through the process of grief recovery, but I actually had to go through grief recovery myself. And reason being, again, I said I'm the oldest of three. Well, the, the sibling, the oldest twin, my brother passed away about seven years ago. Uh, he was only 36 years old. Um, he had congestive heart failure. Um, so just a quick plug, men, go get yourselves checked. You know, it's important that we get ourselves checked. Um, but anyway... He, he died uh, at, at the age of 36 years old, and that left me in a state of brokenness. I grew up in the church, you know, for those that, you know, want to know. I grew up in the church, but what that brought about for me was loss of, of loss of faith. You know, not that I gave up on God and stopped believing in God. It was just the one thing is like, if God can, why didn't he? Sure. You know, if God, if God is a healer, as the scriptures would say, why didn't or why did my brother die? If we did what you said to do, why did he still die? You know, so what that happened, it, what, what happens with that, it, it brought about intangible loss for me, intangible loss, a loss of faith, you know, intangible loss, a loss of trust, you know, you know, so why is it that I'm doing what I'm doing? So I've questioned a lot. Uh, and so when, when he died, I was trying to get the help that I needed to process this, whatever this feeling was. Um, And I couldn't, and again, I say this as no slight to the church, but I couldn't find what I needed. Exactly. No, I couldn't find what I needed. And I got a lot of the good, you know, pray about it, you know, give it to God, you know, be strong, you know, he won't give you more than he can, you can handle. Heard that, you know, it's one of that, if I hear that one more time, I'm going to break a pencil or something because, you know, he's given me this. So you mean to tell me like, I can handle all of this weight. And he's like, okay, she can handle it. Just keep giving her hurt and pain. That's, that didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So I began to search out something and then I actually found it. And once I went through the entire process of grief counseling myself, I decided to become what I needed. You so became that I, what you needed. I became what I needed so that others would, you know, I could trailblaze for others. And I didn't even see it as trailblazing. It's just when I went through the process, I've, mm-hmm. I knew it was something that I needed to get back to us, to our church, sure. to our people, because again, people are hurting and we don't know that there's help or we don't know how to ask for it. So at, as a result of what I do, I like to give people what they need, but they don't really know how to ask for it. That's right. And my mind goes to COVID. The shutdown affected so many people and the churches were closed in a lot of areas. So then how do you get those resources? And so that's why I pushed counseling. And mm-hmm. now there are areas where you can go to counseling online. Mm-hmm. So those folks, um, let's say we have you know people online who may not have a church home or don't, may not believe in the God. What mm-hmm. would you say to those folks, but they're suffering? you know? Or you go to church and like you just said, they don't have what I need. What advice do you have for those folks to- um, oh, no problem. What advice you have for those folks to um, get the right resources for them? Like, where should they start? 
Well, first of all, I would say we start with communicating. You know, don't pretend to be what you don't, what you're not. Don't pretend to be strong. You know, that's one of the pet peeves that I have. We pretend we put on airs, you know. So you start by having a conversation. You know, we don't use the resources available, but we don't know what's available until we start having questions and conversations. So um, whether you whether you are of faith or not, my, my program is not a faith-based program. It's a program for anybody that's experiencing loss in general. Uh, so when you feel out of sorts, and it doesn't necessarily mean that something is wrong with you, um, when you feel out of sorts, ask the questions, you know, you know, this is how I'm feeling, have a conversation about how you're feeling, because you never know who can direct you to where, you know, so look for those answers, even if you have to research yourself, you know, and once you research yourself, you know, I'm a big advocate of, you know, taking my health and, and my mental state into my own hands, you know, and then, you know, just kind of figuring out what it is that I need. And then once I kind of get a pinpoint, you know, then I start asking those questions, you know, so this is how I'm feeling. This is what I kind of saw, but I'm not really sure if this is what it is. What would I do? You know, so those are the things that you want to do. And then you want to definitely find somebody in your local area. You know, maybe there's a group, you know, support groups, you know, conversations where you get together and just have conversations about, what's going on with you um because a lot of times what we try to do is we try to make sense of our pain you know because go through something the one thing people say i don't understand i don't understand what you don't understand because it's not logical it's emotional yeah you know you know so it's not your brain that's hurting it's your heart you know and we try to put a lot of logic in our emotion and a lot of times that you know that doesn't it doesn't mesh well together um, so you want to make sure that you're targeting the right area, you know, and being honest, you know, this is being honest about your pain, being honest about the fact, yes, I am hurting today. When my brother died, I had one person particularly that I remember because it was the first time I think I was very honest about my answer. She asked me, Tanya, how are you doing? And my honest answer to her was, I don't know, because I really did not know how I was doing. Um, because one day I'd be, you know, feeling guilty about my brother's dying. And then the next day I'm mad about the fact that he left. And then I'm hurting, I'm broken sitting in the car crying. But when I was able to say, I don't know how I'm doing, you know, what is it supposed to look like? Honestly, Mm -hmm. when I learned how to process it properly, it looked like exactly what I was doing because we were created to grieve, you know, in order to maintain our mental state, in order to maintain our health, we were created to do the process of grief. And the reason that we have these issues, the reason that we have anything that seems out of sorts is because we're fighting what's natural. Grief is normal. Grief is natural. A lot of people don't understand that. Yeah. Grieving is natural and it is normal. And we do kickback. And that's why we sit in our pain much longer than we're supposed to, because we don't want to feel. Oh, that was a lot. But it was good. Because I'm trying to, I'm taking everything in. This is so good. This, who this is good. Rarely am I speechless, just so you know that. Rarely am I. And I'm speechless because in 2015, I lost my father. I don't say I lost my father. Um, he transitioned, right? And so that grief for me was a shock because there were no indicators. And I think with grief, oftentimes, even if you have a sickness or you're expecting, expecting something, there is, I think there's still that initial shock when that person is no longer with you physically, right? Yeah. So in 2015, my father, uh, he passed away. And it was a shock to my system because there were no indicators. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And so um, what you just shared a moment ago, I wanted to pretend I was okay. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I did that because I didn't want people to feel like they had to check on me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to come across as weak. I didn't want to come across as whatever. I never, I never stepped in those shoes before, mm-hmm. but I, I knew and I understood what I did not want. I thought, so I didn't, I didn't really communicate my feelings. I didn't communicate them, but thankfully I did seek help. Right. And I, I knew I was, I knew I was not okay, but I didn't know how to really say I was not okay. Cause I didn't know what I was feeling. Right. Mm-hmm. And Good for point. me, what made sense was like, for an example, if, if you break your arm, you know, to go to the doctor, get a cast. And then it's not that your the cast is not healing your arm. Your muscle, your, your body's healing itself. Right. So you see your body getting back together. But what about that soul that's missing that piece of me? I could understand hurting like a physical part of me, but that soul part was hurt. I didn't have a cast for that. Mm-hmm. So I had to get some help for that, that piece that was, um, that was hurt. But in counseling, I learned that it's okay to feel what you feel and it's okay to talk about it. But then here's the part I ran into, who do you talk to about that? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to talk to my family because they were hurting as well. And then I didn't want to be seen as the bother to what was my friend group. Although looking back on it, I would not have been a bother. So I was dealing with all those emotions. So, which leads me to my next questions. Those are like me, but you don't want to be a bother, but you know, you're not okay. Mm-hmm. what would you what would you say to that person like I, I'm not okay but then how do I say help I was saying help in so many ways I didn't realize it mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know how to verbalize just say hey I need somebody to help me so I would go to I was in the military at the time so okay. I would go to work have my uniform on sergeant riders leading going moving but internally I was going through it right, right. so back to my question that person that doesn't know how to say help, how would you advise them to say help which will lead them to their recovery process? So a lot of times we don't know how to put the words or articulate how we're feeling when we're feeling such an amount of, a, a tremendous amount of pain, especially when we're not used to feeling that mm-hmm. pain or we're not used to processing pain in the right way. Um, what I would say is, you know, a lot of times we do the journaling. So people write out how they're feeling um, and, and it's very therapeutic. It's very therapeutic. But when you're in a place where you know that you're not okay, identify the ones that you know that you can trust the most. Identify the ones and I'll see this is where you're going to be a self-advocate. Like I need to know who I can trust the most away from the church because um, yeah. we don't want to talk to people at our church. Um, that kind of, it can, it can, it's bittersweet. It's kind of, it's twofold when you're talking about talking to people at the church. Uh, so you want to talk, you know, and I actually heard one of my clients say one time, it is almost easier to talk to a stranger. Yes. In the midst yes. of this, because, you know, then, you know, they don't have any uh, judgments, you know, they are not judgmental against, you know, the way that, you know, you, you come across. So if you're having a hard day, then, you know, they're, they can be empathetic and just listen to you cry give you their shoulder, you know, and then walk away. Um, however, you do that with somebody, you know, you know, you, you are actually growing in the right direction and becoming fine. And they keep reminding you, remember the day that you remember, yes. the day that you, remember the day and you're <laughs> like, wait a minute, that was three months ago, you know, help me go forward. Don't keep holding me here. So uh, first foremost, identify somebody that you, that you can really trust sure. and then make them your person of accountability, you know, uh, I actually have a person of accountability. And I said, if you see me doing something out of character for me, ask me, you know, but don't ask me a question to where I can just say, yeah, I'm fine or yes, or no, I'm not. 
ask me an open-ended question to where I actually have to put process and thought to it and give you an answer that actually makes sense. You know, but if I'm not giving you an answer that makes sense, then you say, no, I'm not going to let you get by with that surface answer. I need you to honestly tell me what is going on with you. And when you can sit and really say, I don't know, that's when you can open up and have a conversation. I like what you said about the doctor and your soul and no cats, because I always tell my customers or my clients, uh, your arm can be broken when you go to the doctor or your knee or you broke something when you go to the doctor. Um, and it is their job to help you get that fixed. But if you don't tell them that it's your right arm that's broken and you say, doc, man, I've been having this issue with my knee when you're not addressing the right issue, you're still gonna walk away with that arm that's broken or you're still gonna walk away with that heart that's not fixed. Um, so you gotta learn how to push past yourself yeah, you know, and not be superhuman in this moment. This is when it's time to be human and it's time to be real with who you are, take off the mask, and learn to be vulnerable because in your vulnerability, you will find strength. Um, and in, in your vulnerability, you will find out that you're much more than you thought you were mm -hmm. um, when you're not putting on airs and be honest with you. If you can stand in the mirror and honestly look and say to you, I am fine and know that you're telling the truth then you're fine. But when you can look in the mirror and say, I am fine, but then you say you're skeptical or you have that, are you really fine? Yeah then that's when you know you need to have an honest conversation, you know, with somebody that, that can hold you accountable. Spot on. And then um, I did certainly relate to your clients as far as, I didn't want to talk to anyone that I knew. Because one thing, I, I'm speaking for, for, for myself. If I talk to, let's say I did talk to someone that I, I, <laughs> that I knew, what I don't want to happen is every time you see me, are you okay? How are you feeling? I don't want you to take me back there because today may be a day where I'm feeling pretty, pretty good. Mm -hmm. Let me feel this moment. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we have to be careful. Those trusted, uh, those tr trusted agents, when someone tells you how they're feeling, be mindful how you address those people as well. Mm -hmm. When you see them, you know, cause I remember now I'm feeling a, you know, it happened in 2015, and you know, I want you to speak to this as well. And this can this can really tr transcend COVID. It can go through relationship issues, folks breaking up, or even financial issues. Grief is grief, as you said early on, right? <clears throat> I've, I remember my father transitioned. The reason I'm using my father is that that was the most traumatic experience in my life when he passed away, right? Okay. Okay. And I remember I would hear, I would sit down and I'm an introvert, introvert by nature. I'm just a quiet person. I'm always listening, but uh, I would sit down and people talk to me about um, things get better. Give it time. You'll feel better tomorrow. All type of things that I believe they thought they were helping. Right. <laughs> uh, this time next year, you'll feel better as if they're putting a timestamp on grief. <laughs> right. Right. And I would not understand how to even comprehend what they were saying so what do you say to the people that says uh that tries to put like a time or time step of grief how does that work <laughs> oh i love that um we have this little thing that i like to say when people say time in, in time heals all wounds yeah yeah give it time you'll be you know you'll be fine um so i like to say well the next time you have a flat tire i want you to just get your car Park it to the side because you can't drive it. Get a get a chair out of the trunk and sit there and wait for time to fill that tire again. That's good. Put see see if time is going to put air back in that tire. 
see if air is going to, you know, see if the tire is going to automatically inflate when you give it time to be flat. Okay. What do you do? No, you get on the phone and you call roadside assistance. You call for help. Yes. So it's not the time that heals the wounds. It's the steps that you take in the midst of that time. Yes. Helps you heal yes. the wounds. So that's what I would say. That is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because my, 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 yeah, I, I never knew, I understood why people would say that. I get it. I never understood it. Right. And it goes back to what you, go ahead, please. Well, no, I was going to say, um, case in point, when you talk about time healing, um, at the end of the year, I closed out a client who came in because she was grieving her mom's death. Mm -hmm. Her mom died 15 years ago. Yeah. Time. And if you don't know how to process that grief properly, you're just adding hurt on top of hurt, on top of hurt. So if you didn't address the issue in the beginning, there are other hurts that you may or other losses that you may incur over time. And you're just piling that on. So yeah. then what's, what's going to happen is one little thing is going to just kind of explode and yeah. it's going to all of that other stuff to come out. So when you have somebody who's like, wait a minute, what happened was not warranted of that type of behavior. It's not that incident. It's all of the things that she did not address, you know, so time does not do anything except allow you to pile on and then explode one day, you know? Yeah. So, and that's 15 years ago and she was still hurting because she not she had not addressed it in the right way. That's right, that's right. Um, and to your point there, there were certain songs, even when I thought I was okay, I would hear maybe a song that would remind me of my father and it would take me back to the day one. So yeah, time, what is time in the process mm -hmm. of grief? Mm -hmm. And so, like I'm saying, how many years is, since 2015, February, I can listen to an Anita Baker song and I'm right there at the moment I found out. Mm -hmm. right? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm right there. It may not sting as much, but that pain, that, that, that thing, even now, my retirement, um, my new position, I have moments where I wish he was here. Right. And that helps me with the, rec uh, the recovery process. And I want to move to that. What does recovery how does one start recovery? What does that look like? Again, we go back to recovery. Recovery starts with being honest yeah. and willing, willing to go through the process of uh, feeling what you don't want to feel. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times it's not that they come in or not that us as grievers or whomever they may be, it's nothing wrong with us. So we don't need to be fixed. A lot of times when we're going through grief, we need to be heard. Yes. We just need to get it out. You know, a lot of the things that we wish we would have said. So uh, for me, how I address it is the first steps is let's talk about the things that you wish you could have done different, better or more. Different, yeah. better or more. What would you different, have done differently? What would you have done better? What could you have done more? You know, um, and then I have some clients come in and then they're feeling guilty about the fact that you know, this person died or whatever that may have been or lost a job or broke in a relationship. Um, you're feeling guilty because why? Okay, and they explain it, they elaborate a little bit more. Okay, so your guilt is brought on by the fact that you couldn't do what? You know, and then they realize, wait a minute, I shouldn't be feeling guilty about that. No, because them dying or them losing their job had nothing to do with you. You know, a lot of times we're just the brunt of it, you know? Um, so you're not the feel guilty. I feel guilty 
about my brother dying because I wish I could have helped him more. But my specialist said to me, are you a doctor? And I was just like, no. She said, so how could you have helped your brother who had congestive heart failure? And I was just mm. like, mm, I don't know. She says, so why are you carrying around unnecessary grief? Unnecessary grief, okay. Because you're feeling guilty. And I was just like, wow, I didn't even realize that, you know, because that's what we want to do. So what could you have done different, better, or more? Mm-hmm. And now then you have uncommunicated, uh, uncommunicated grief. So what are the things, uncommunicated relationship issues? What, what would you have liked to say? You know, yeah. so then I actually, I take them through the process of as if the person is still here. So now I want you to write a letter and I want you to say exactly what you would have said. And then I want you to read that letter to me. Because again, it's not about me saying it to the person. It's about me being heard. This is what I wish I would have said. This, I, this, you know, that's why it's very important for us to leave a person better than we found them when we meet them, because we don't know if that's going to be the last time we meet them or communicate with them. I always want to leave a person in a better place. So again, what would you have done different, better, or more? You know, what are the uncommunicated dreams, hopes, and expectations that you had, you know, for you and your dad, you know, what were the, what were the unfulfilled dreams, hopes, and expectations that you had you know, for your father leaving at, in 2015, that you expected him to be here 2023, the dreams that he may have had for you, you had with him, you know, um, the expectations of, you know, him being whatever that looked like in your life at this stage, you know, those are things that were uncommunicated, those things are unmet, unfulfilled, and then we go to, let's talk about what's unresolved, you know, let's, let's deal with what's unresolved, you know, did you have some issues, you know, because the one thing that I don't like when I hear people say, I know exactly how you feel. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't know exactly how I feel. Yes, your mom may have died or, you know, the both of your moms may have died, but the relationship dynamic could be completely different. You right. know, you could have been estranged from your mother and then found out that she died. And this person was like mother's, mother's child, like I'm a mama's boy kind of deal. And they had an amazing relationship. So the hurt is going to be different. The grief, yes, we're both grieving a hurt. Uh, so let's talk about the things we wish we would have done. Let's talk about the things we wish we would have said. What could we have done different, better or more? So let's communicate those things. So let's get it out and let's not talk about it. And then another thing that I suggested to my clients is a family member of the person that was that died whatever that looked like this in this instance we're using death yeah if you are not able to communicate that to them because they're now deceased you know call your friend's mom call your friend's wife and and tell them how much of an impact that person made in your life not only does it help you heal but it helps them hear that you know that they made an impact on somebody else's life as well you know, and then that is the one thing that they're going to carry and they're going to share it for a long time. You know, they're going to be like, you know, someone's so cold. And they said that Michael was like a light in their life and Michael did this. And it's going to make them feel good about the presence of Michael and the being of Michael. And it's going to help them feel good about the fact that Michael may not be here, but then they found out that he's done some good in his life. That's and perfect. And that that healed me. That was part of my healing process as well. And listening to you and and uh, your expert advice, this <laughs> this can really bleed over into the divorce when folks are going through a divorce. Absolutely. Because I, around that same time as my father when he transitioned, I was finalizing a divorce. Mm. Um, so don't get me wrong, I was happy about that part. 
However, it was, it was in my mind, a death of something relationship. Mm -hmm. And so, although I was excited about the, it was time for that to happen, that chapter to close. Mm -hmm. I, I remember feeling triggered with my father's transition. And then I didn't understand why I was being affected so deeply with the divorce. You know what I mean? So that right. was happening. But, but I also understood, you know, it was more than just me, it was my daughter. Because mm -hmm. this, you know, was she's was she her her dad, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you have compound issues after compound issues, the same remains. Journaling is what you mentioned. Those steps are still there to help mm -hmm. you. Finding a trusted source, as you mentioned, right? And, you know, although I was raised in church and all that, and what I love about Brothers Echo Radio, um, yeah, although I'm a Christian and, and I accept Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I understand that so many of my listeners don't, they don't subscribe to that, right? right. Mm -hmm. But I want them to know when you have these compound issues, still seek out some sort of help from a trusted source. Right. That's what's important. It's so important. I think the, one of the worst things that can happen to a person as you're going through um, the healing process is to, to lend your voice to the wrong ear, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna take a little detour here. What happens, what do you, what do you think? Should, how can you help a person when they've, they've lent their voice to the wrong ear and now they're being re-traumatized by that? Because I've had some listeners that's, that have gone through that. How do they work through that process? It is challenging, but they have to be determined because when they lend their ear, once the seed has been sown, it's in there. You know, it's in there. And you have to unlearn a lot of things. You have a lot of the process is unlearning. And that's what we have with when it comes to our grieving process. We have yeah. to unlearn a lot of things that we learn about grief that we've learned, you know, just by watching or just cultural, you know, yeah. so you have to unlearn a lot of the things that are unhelpful. You know, and then you have to um, compartmentalize and figure out what's helpful for you and what's, yeah. helpful, what's, un, what's not helpful. You know, because again, what's helpful for you may not be helpful for me. So we can't yeah. follow the same exact steps. It can't be cookie cutter. It has yeah. to be individual for us. It has to be something for us. So unlearn what you've learned and, and be, tr be truthful about the fact that this is not helping me. And look at it and then you do the questions of how is this helping? Sit and say, how is this helping me? When you see that it's been destructive and it's not, you gotta make a you gotta make an honest decision. Like I have to unlearn this so I can be healthy. How is it affecting my life? Yeah. I want to say something, say something to you. I know I mentioned the church part. Um, I was going somewhere with it and I had a blank, so I'm back now. <laughs> so although I was <laughs> although okay. I was raised in church, um, I understood, and it's something I learned from my father. For me, I'm gonna speak for myself. I don't want to step on any toes, but it was uh -huh. important for me to research outside the church to get counseling outside those church doors. I wanted someone that could speak the, the right language. Mm -hmm. I was so angry, transparent moment. I was angry with God mm -hmm. because I remember hearing, oh, you know, God is a healer, redeemer, he mm -hmm. is all, all these things, all, more and more. But I was angry at that moment. And then that, and I was upset that I was angry. And for a moment, I will say, I walked away. I said, yeah. God, you said you could do all these things, but I'm at my father's bedside as he's transitioned. Yeah. And I'm calling on you and praying, but he, he's, he's not here. So yeah. I decided to walk off. Like I'm done with this whole Christian faith 
because when I need you, you weren't here. Right. And so I started going to counseling and I had to really, and that's a different um, episode, but I ended up going, I did go back to God because I learned so much in that process too. I learned more about God and I developed more relationship. My relationship was uh, restored with that. But going to a counselor, to a licensed counselor helped me because I didn't want to hear about how great God, how great he is. I don't want to hear any of that. Yes. Yes. Whatever this is with me that I don't, I can't really put a name to, mm-hmm. help me. I didn't want to hear mm-hmm. anything other than that. Mm-hmm. So for the folks on the line who've gone through that, don't feel guilty about that, but get some okay. help. Do not feel guilty about any of that uh, at all. Absolutely. And I also, also want to talk about, um, like we said, unlearn. A lot of behaviors are cultural. <laughs> You're spot on that. A certain cultural. And it puts me out of tradition. Oftentimes we do things because we just heard this is the way you do it. Right. And I think that keeps a lot of us in one area. It does. Um, Unlearning is being honest with yourself, speaking for myself. Unlearning is being honest with yourself and understanding, okay, I'm feeling like this. I know this is what I've heard I was supposed to feel, but what am I really feeling? Mm -hmm. And then you have to let all those other voices escape. And that's that's difficult, but you have to, and then go through a path. For me, it's prayer, but go through, walk through that. Mm -hmm. You about to say something? No, no, I'm listening. Because oh. <laughs> you're spot on. You, you, you're, you're, I'm thinking of what you're saying is you're definitely spot on. You have to go through the steps of it. You know, mm-hmm. it is difficult and it's challenging to unlearn everything that you've learned, especially depending on your age. If you if it's been cultural, it's been ingrained. Yes. You know, and it's not only do we learn by what we've been taught, we've learned by what we see. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is where the challenge comes in because I also help children. Well, help those that work with children with loss. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I deal with that as well. So I I tell them that we've trained our children unknowingly. You know, that's how we become emotional eaters. We train them because we say, honey, don't worry about what happened at school. Here, have a cookie. Yes. And and you think the cookie in that moment, she feels good because the cookie tastes good, but you didn't address her issue because she's being bullied at school, but you taught food, you taught her food as a comfort. So when she gets older, now she's developed an addiction to being an emotional eater, you know, because anytime she feels a loss, anytime she goes back to the place where she was hurt as a kid, what did my mom do? She gave me food. Now we eat our pain, you know, and then of course it develops another form of grieving because now we don't look like what we used to look like because we've gained weight. Now we're grieving our self-esteem. We don't have it. So it's, 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 it's ingrained on behavior that's cultural. Um, and then also we have this whole, hmm. we don't communicate because I don't know if you're anything like me um, growing up in, in, in our homes where the parents would be like, well, well, if you're gonna cry like that, I just go to your room. I don't wanna hear it. I don't wanna hear it. So you're training me to be quiet and you're training me to isolate. So what I'm hearing you say, grief can lead to a cycle if not addressed properly. Am I hearing absolutely, you correctly? Absolutely correctly. It's it's yeah. it's a it's an unending cycle if it's not addressed directly or properly. That's right. Wow. Yeah. That's something. Because think about it, like even just kind of flipping real quick to the children. If you've trained them by saying, if you're gonna behave like that, go to your room. I don't want to hear it. So you basically told them I don't want you to communicate with me how you feel. I need you to go to your room. You're gonna isolate me by yourself. So however old they are when you start doing that, 
when they become teenagers, all of a sudden you want them to come out of their room because they spend so much time in their room. It's like, why are you always in your room? You're a teenager. You've trained me to go to my room. Um, so how was your day? Fine. What did you do today? Nothing. That's teenagers because that's how you've trained me to communicate. You don't want to hear it. If you keep telling me that when something important comes across in my life, I'm not going to think that you want to hear it because you've told me you don't want to hear it. So then I isolate and I stay in my room by myself. You spend too much time in your room. Well, this is where I'm comfortable because this is what I know. How do we have a dialogue? We don't know how to communicate because when I wanted to communicate with you or you should have helped me as my parent articulate how I'm feeling, you told me to be quiet and go to my room. Children are not all bad children. They just don't know how to process the pain, hurt, loss, or grief that they're feeling. So they act out. Yes. And instead of us addressing that, we medicate it. Mm. Well, just as adults, we just, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say, that's a whole nother topic that I could talk about for a long time because we medicate it. And then if it's not, like, I do this, I do this, I'm gonna share this real quick. I do this example with, with just this little exercise with, with all of my clients. I tell them to draw a small triangle, which is a body, small triangle. And then I say, draw a big triangle. And then small triangle, you know, we just call her Tina. So small triangle is Tina, Tina is five. And I tell you the story of, you know, whatever hurts, when I tell the story, whatever you hear is a loss, you know, put it inside Tina's body. So, you know, we have the circle, we have the head, the two arms and the feet, triangles are mm -hmm. body. I tell the story, you know, Keisha, five years old, she's a part of a military family, much like yourself. So, so what she does the first time she goes to school, she starts making friends. So she's been in school for a while and all of a sudden her dad's get restationed. Now Keisha with her friends, she's losing her friends, having to go to a different city, location, country and make new friends. She doesn't fit in at that school. Now she's being bullied. There's a dot, there's a dot, there's a dot. Those dots have not been addressed. Now Keisha's 45. Between that time and that time, Keisha's experienced a lot more losses in her life. You know, maybe a grandmother, grandparent died, uncle, aunt, you know, parents may have gotten divorced, you know, whatever that looked like. But she didn't, she was never ta taught or trained how to address her little Keisha, her or little Tina her. So she grew up and that changes the trajectory of her life. It, it, it pinpoints on how she picks a relationship. It pinpoints on how she trusts, whether she's able to trust or not. Does she, yeah. does she, have, does she have loss of trust, loss, intangible losses? Like I mentioned, you know, whether she believes in God, if God is good, why do all these bad things keep happening to me? Whether, yeah. she, whether, whether, that, whether that's her God or not, whatever her belief is. Yeah. If this is good, then why is it all these things happening to me? When we don't address it, it has a way of sticking with us for the rest of our life. And it trains us how to live instead of us living a life that we're supposed to live. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. And this, go, this lends back to why counseling this, or just talking is so important. You know, although it may feel comfortable to isolate, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. So not healthy. Not healthy at all. So tell us, what does the light at the end of that tunnel look like? We've talked about grief in the process, but that moment where the sun is shining a little bit brighter than other days, how do you get to that point? Again, it's a series of steps. 
you know, a series of steps and people like to call them stages. But for me and for what I do, I don't call them stages. I call them emotional roller coasters. The reason I don't call them stages is because, you know, like whatever those stages are, and I did not commit them to memory because I don't like them, yeah. um, whatever those stages are. So like you may have anger, acceptance, um, uh, whatever, denial, all of those things. I don't know that because if you're in the stage of today, you're saying I'm in the stage of, of acceptance. Okay, so, okay, I'm accepting, I'm accepting, I'm accepting it. And then two days from now, you know, I don't accept this. So does that mean you went back a few stages? And if I yeah. keep going back and forth in a stage, when do I come out or when do I graduate? So it's like a roller coaster. I explain it as a roller coaster of emotion. So basically, yeah. if you go to an amusement park, literal roller coaster, there is a way that you exit or there's a way that you get on the roller coaster and there's a way that you get off. Okay, so when you're in line, you get on that seat and you're ready to take on all the twists and turns that yeah. that roller coaster is about to bring about. So it takes you up that mountain a little, that track a little slow. And that's yeah. how you get to see everything around you. And then it kind of hovers you at the top before it drops you the 100 feet. It yeah. drops you 100 feet, then it cycles you, it spins you, it flips you, turns you backwards, upside down, and then it brings you back, and then you repeat. Yes. And then what it does is it brings you right back to the station that you got on at. The decision is yours. Do I get off where I got on, or do I get off and I exit and I complete and continue to walk away? Oh, I like that. So, because oh. if, I, if, I get off where, if I get off where I got on at, that means I'm going to repeat the same cycle. But I've but I'm determined that enough is enough. So I'm gonna get off and I'm going to exit. It's small steps of making one decision at a time. Small what steps. The light, what the light looks like is that you're able to breathe again, you're able to live again, and you're able to laugh again. A lot of times we find it interesting, people feel guilty for laughing when they're yeah. supposed to be grieving. But when you have a great conversation about the person or thing, or everything was not all bad, even in the divorce. Everything is not all bad, you know, but when you can find a little bit of this to, well, you know what, in your case, you have an amazing daughter, you have a daughter, you have, you know, so we, listen, for whatever reason, we had to come together to create this beautiful being. Right. It was all bad, you know, so when you can find glimpses of, well, the job wasn't all horrible, you know, right. you know, um, I, because of my belief, um, during COVID, I ended up losing my job, um, and then I created this beyond grieving. Um, I had already studied it. It was just the timing of it. You know, so my, as, as my family like to say, God shut down the world so you could do what you're supposed to do. Anyway, <laughs> I, I kept, I kept going back, just revisiting the building. I kept going back, revisiting the building, going somewhere with that story. I kept going back, revisiting the building. One day I was driving around the premises and I heard my God say, why do you revisit the place that you did not like? Hmm. we have a tendency to want to revisit the pain revisit that because when we revisit it we talk about well this is what happened to me this is what you know because yeah. then it makes feel and we're not supposed to do that if you're done with it be done with it because it's not all bad it wasn't all bad it wasn't all painful you know so when you can find when you can breathe again when you can laugh again you're able to live again and not only will you live you start to thrive and guilt and grief is not your crutch and grief is not a stronghold, you know, because there is life on the other side of grieving. That's why I called my business Beyond Grieving, because you can get beyond it because recovery is possible. 
so this was supposed to be an interview, but you are helping me. This is phenomenal. So maybe I'm that one person. Who knows? I'm sure there are many others. <laughs> and I like what you said, because I never I never agreed with this that whole grief step method. Because it felt as though you had a, a process, okay, once you pass part one, get to part two. Right. And if I get to part two and I go back to part one, I'm failing in my I'm failing in my grief process. Exactly. So I, and I like what you said about that because it's a roller coaster. It is. And just as you're a client who who who, uh, who mother trans um, who passed away many years ago, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's the roller coaster. I'm trying to mm-hmm. get. I'm not a lot of loss. I'm not a. I'm not a lot of loss of words. I'm just it's so much that you said has certainly helped. And then to go back to your point with COVID, the reason I developed Brothers Echo Radio was because in the military our suicide rate was so high, and that was the first time for so many to be by themselves mm-hmm. many different reasons for the loss so i wanted to have a safe place where people can come and listen and understand that you're that others are going through the same thing that you're going through that thing that you're free to talk about that whatever that is that's why it, this this is a place where i want all conversations to be held right right you're not alone and i never want anyone to feel as though they need to take that step in life that they don't feel like they count, that they're not worthy. Right. But you never know that person next to you has gone through exactly what you're facing. Mm-hmm. And they've mm-hmm. made it to whatever that other side looks like for them. So it's mm-hmm. possible for you to go through what you're going through because there are folks who've lost a loved one and who've gone through divorce and they've made it, whatever made it looks like. Mm-hmm. And there are those who may feel as though life's not worth living. Right without my mom, my daughter, my son, my husband. Mm-hmm. But you can get through this. And part of getting through this is please ignore the noise of these steps. Ignore the noise mm-hmm. of you're going to mm-hmm. be okay. Just, it takes time. No, 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 no. Feel everything that you're feeling, but talk about it with the right person. Right. Be present in the pain. Oh, that's good. Be present in the pain. Mm-hmm. And let and it be because it is normal and it is natural. When I tell you, I never thought I would feel the way I'm feeling now. In 2015, and to, to this point now, I'm so happy. I mm-hmm. am. My mm-hmm. daughter thinks that I'm weird because any day yeah. I'll turn on some music and dance around the house. But it's joy. I'm joyful. Right. You know, but, but also, it took work. And it, it takes does. work. It dies. That hard work, that and work it's being consistent, consistent. That's it right there, consistent mm-hmm. with that work. Yeah. Oh, that's that's spot on. Well, tell us how can how can people find you? How can they reach out to you? And what what else do you have going on? Tell, talk to us. <laughs> well, well, you can reach me. I have a website. The website is actually called BeyondGrieving.us, and all of my contact information is on there my phone number, my email address, however you need to get in touch with me. And I also am able to do services, not necessarily um, in office only. I do in office, I do in person, I do online and I do a hybrid. So however you need help, I am available to do that. And what do I have going on right now? Well, I have a mentorship program. So I mentor young women and I have one, my first young man that I'm learning to mentor. I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but it's amazing. He's 13 and so yeah, do that. And I'm getting ready to 
hopefully next spring sponsor a softball team of young women because I want the girls to develop a sisterhood starting at a young age. And I want them to be able to, first of all, learn the fundamentals of working together as a team. Because what I found out as we get older, we get individualized and like, well, I'm gonna do it, but we can do it together. We accomplish so much more and so much greater when we can do it together. So when we teach them how to work together at a younger age, you know, like it's not all about me, 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 it's about we, we, we you know, and it's about us doing what we can do together. So uh, Beyond Grieving is just trying to get out there into the community and just making a presence and being a place, a safe place for people to come and talk. Um, everything is confidential. Uh, we, we do sign contracts because again, I do not want to lose my license um, for doing for this. Everything is on the up and up. Uh, and it's, it's about us having heart with ears. I like that. So we listen with our heart. So we listen with our heart. So this is who I am. This is what I do. You know, this is um, um, my purpose over my pain. I like that. Yes. That Created so a passion good. for my purpose. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, don't go anywhere. Um, but this has been an amazing episode. Um, I'll make sure I have all your information in the caption so our folks can reach out to you anytime. And thank you so much for coming on Brothers Echo Radio and helping, just helping me out. I'm going to speak for myself. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And as always, everyone, mm -hmm. live this life for an audience of two, and that's God and you. Until next time.